Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you so much for dropping on by and taking time out to listen to this podcast episode. Today, I have the very lovely Tracy Hardy with me. And as I always do, I will, I'm going to now hand over to Tracy to introduce herself because she will do a far better job than me because she knows herself more than I do. Naturally. Anyway, <laughs> over to you, Tracy. Please do take centre stage and introduce yourself to my lovely listeners. Obviously, I'm Tracy Hardy. Sarah just introduced me there. Um, I am a leadership coach and a former global head of operations um, for an e-commerce firm. I worked in leadership for 14 years um, at a mid-senior level, managing large teams, and then moved into leadership coaching. Um, and set up my own business last year. I focus on helping leaders and enabling leaders to create empowered teams, empowered, accountable teams that are aligned to, you know, a strong purpose, to their values. And, you know, you want the people in your teams to be happy in work, you know. Um, You spend enough of your hours together in the workplace, whether you work in the office or remotely or whatever way you work. So, you know, why shouldn't the majority of those hours be fulfilling and happy and joyful? So that's what I work with leaders on. And it's so important, isn't it, Tracy? I mean, it's something that I'm, as you know, passionate about, you know, aligning. I mean, from a coaching perspective, I, you know, I like to help people align their careers with their talents and their passions so they can live their life on purpose and fulfil their potential. And, you know, that's a massive part of people's lives is work so you're mm. working very much with the teams and i tend to work with the people rather than the team the, the the team leaders but it's with that same goal in mind because actually if you've got somebody aligned within the business and if the leaders know what that person what fires that person up and how they can best mm-hmm. uh, work with them or utilize them within the business yeah it's just listening to what what works for people isn't mm-hmm. it and actually making that happen within the business uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, as you said, you've worked with global organisations and you've worked and you've worked very heart centred way, don't you as well? Well, I've always loved people. I mean, I've always I don't remember a time where I haven't been fascinated by human behaviour. I've always been interested in psychology. I've always had a really innate ability to understand people and just understand where they're coming from. But I'm also fascinated by them. I like to know their backgrounds. I love to know their why. What drives them? Why mm. do they feel this way? Or why do they do this thing? Or why is that important to you? Um, and I guess I just have this huge curiosity all the time about people and what makes them tick and then watching them in different teams and structures and organizations and how they behave differently in different environments. It's just absolutely fascinating to me. And I guess that's what drove me into the coaching world I'd say even when I was in school people used to say Mm -hmm. to me you know you should be a coach or you should be a psychologist or you should be a counsellor (laughs) you know (laughs) and I accidentally ended up in leadership I um I was working in the insurance industry for many many years um and then in customer service customer facing roles and you know I was very good at my job and very good customers and naturally kind of Mm -hmm. progressed in my career and became a supervisor and then a team leader and grew from there into management and and then into senior leadership. 
Yeah, but you're listening to people, aren't you? And, that, and I think it's that that inherent, that natural curiosity, that ability to listen, tune in, ask the right questions because of the curiosity, because of that inquisitivity, because you are passionate about people and you do want to help them live a happier and healthier mm-hmm. life through understanding them. And you can, and I think from listening to you, you can sort of take that step back and see how you can sort of move people almost like on a chessboard into yes. the right location. So they're working with the right people to bring out the best of them, which then in, invariably then brings out the best within that team in the business mm-hmm. as a whole, which, which for businesses ends up with their bottom line. Because actually, if you're engaging with your employees in the right way and they're feeling valued and listened to and heard they're going to want to stay with the business whereas you know with with my career in recruitment and background and seeing people who within businesses businesses that have high turnover they don't value their staff I mean I was only having a conversation with an HR director yesterday about the inability of their managing director for want of a better word I can't actually remember what his title is but he owns the, one of the owners of the business mm-hmm. one of the main directors who you know the, the, the sort of lower level staff are above on just about above minimum wage and yet he's in his in his comms with the team he's talking about how much money he's spending on his his house and his wallpaper and and you're going no tone deaf much <laughs> no exactly I mean hello I mean oh, you know dear. how how are you going to I mean what what engagement are you going to get there from your staff and that this business does have a turnaround you know has a a regular turnaround in staff and it's no wonder mm-hmm. because the staff don't feel valued but you know, you can't talk to people like I mean if it does if you are mm-hmm. spending that sort of money keep it to yourself but actually how about spending a bit more money on your staff and listening to them and understanding what yeah. makes them tick to have a happier more harmonious workforce which invariably will then help your business with a higher turnover anyway yeah and I mean part of feeling valued in work obviously there's a lot more to just how much you get paid but yeah you yes. need to have a decent a decent salary you know that's mm-hmm. you know commensurate with people's experience and qualifications like that I worked in insurance for many years the entry level salary was you know it's the going rate for call center type staff but mm-hmm. it hasn't changed much in 14 years um since wow. I worked there the, the guys that are in customer service roles are still kind of earning that kind of salary um and you know the cost of living is going up and up and up Yes. Um, So, yeah, part of it is the salary and recognising people's skill set. And then even if it is a low entry level salary, that you are reviewing that as people get more experienced over time and that you're giving them the opportunity to grow and the opportunity Mm -hmm. to earn more, whether that's in their bonuses, their pay reviews or, you know, by through promotions and that sort of thing. Um, But that you invest in people, I suppose, as well, and like invest in their Mm. growth, invest in their learning and development. But not just that, like as a leader, like even from the interview stage for me, you know, I'm I'm recruiting people uh, like I would have done a lot of recruitment myself in-house in in the different jobs that I was in. But I'm recruiting for values. I'm recruiting for behaviors. I'm not necessarily Mm. recruiting for skill sets. Because these are the yes. people that could potentially grow into. You're always thinking about the succession planning. You know, that mm-hmm. my I want my leaders to grow in into other yeah. roles, and I want them to make space for other people to grow. So you're always trying to make sure that the people that you work with have that same appetite for growth and development and. Investing and that's so refreshing to hear, Tracy. And I think that, is, and it, what you've just said there is is so key. And I think a lot of people miss that. I think people who've, I don't want to overly generalise at all, but I think you know historically, and I say certainly through 
the experience that I've had in my world of recruitment, you know, people can get promoted into into management roles that actually aren't proper managers. They haven't got the mm-hmm. sort of sense an understanding that you have got and that vision that you've got and there's a lot of people that don't like to recruit people that are going to challenge them and perhaps progress and go beyond them they don't want to develop people and I hear it when people are looking for jobs because they've they've been good at what they're doing they don't want to do that anymore but their their promotion their development has been blocked or stopped by a supervisor or a team leader who doesn't want to lose them from their team and that you know, ultimately they're going to lose them from mm-hmm. the business because they're not you know that they're not looking beyond what's what's right for them as a person as an individual and actually it's just very very short-sighted but that vision that you demonstrate is just is magical because you're actually really really thinking of the person and how how they can evolve and looking as you said looking at the values at the emotional intelligence of the person as opposed to just somebody that's got yeah. a good skill set which yeah that's great and i think more and more businesses i have to say are probably are, are going that you know going that route certainly the clients that i recruit for still you know they yeah. they want to get the right people into their teams yeah i mean you can hire specialists or generalists i'm more of a generalist myself but you know for certain mm-hmm. types of roles yes of course you'd want um special special skills but way more valuable to me would be that they have the right mindset and the right attitude mm-hmm. and the right values and that they're aligned to, you know, their own growth and the company's growth and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even within within my team, you know, making sure that, like I've always had really high performing teams and that's because I invest yeah. in my teams. When, when I was in leadership positions, I always had teams where, you know, people had opportunity to get involved in stretch projects or you'd be trying to get them, you know, working outside of just following a certain script or call guide or process, you know, that they <laughs> yes. have to learn to Don't think. give me a script. Don't give me yeah, a script. <laughs> you know, and a lot, a lot of like I worked in call centers and I worked in operations teams and a lot of roles that I worked in, there was quite rigid, strict guidelines and rules around compliance and regulation mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, sure, which yes, is understandable yeah. in the environment. Environment. But what you mm-hmm. have to teach people is is to act in accordance with the spirit of the regulations and the codes and the guidelines, mm-hmm. rather than just following things to the letter of the law. Because yes, what happens yeah. is then you get the computer says no <laughs> when somebody calls. <laughs> yes. You know, when, when you're dealing with people on the phone that have their own unique needs, or whether that's email, phone. You know, when when I worked in IT kind of support functions with internal people. Each of their needs are different and unique to them. And if you're just following a one-size-fits-all, out-of-the-box set of rules, then you're not going to be able to solve the problems that the people have when they come to you. No, and it's about building that rapport. And if you're so rigid to a script, I mean, I remember having some sales training and recruitment back in the 90s, working for the Kelly Services I used to work for back in the day. And there was this script. It was like, well, I appreciate price is important, Mr. Jones, but at the end of the day, if my candidate is not significantly better than the candidate you, you've recruited directly, I wouldn't expect you. Now, that's fair, isn't it? And it's just yeah. so scripted. And I used to think, well, do you know what? I'm doing it my way. But if my way doesn't work, then you can beat me over the bat with a script. Because you want to be natural, don't yeah. you? You want to be able to, as you say, within the parameters of the legalities, 
you need to have that ability to build up that um, relationship with the customer that's calling in to to put them at ease, to make them feel that they're being listened to, and just sort of quoting a script. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's just that's just one part of obviously all that what you do. It. But do you miss that? Because obviously, you you you're oh, now sometimes. working independently. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I do. I love the buzz of being in a big team. I love having lots of different kind of energies around me. I love having problems mm. to solve. Um, like I'm an operations person to my core. It's like a big giant game of Tetris to me. Um, <laughs> but I also love helping other people figure things out. And that's t- through my coaching, mm. you know, and through asking the right questions and through curious mm. kind of mind picking and heart picking and getting to the root of, of things with people and really kind of having those light bulb moments you know, mm. when people realise that nothing is fixed, everything is fluid, and that they have the power mm. to change their situation. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and that's the magic, isn't it, of coaching, that, that able to facilitate that, that you can bring that out of people. Yeah, exactly. And like I had recently, I, I ran a masterclass with leaders um, on heart-powered leadership. So, you know, when you do a group um, kind of masterclass or a group kind of program, mm. that kind of brings that energy, that kind of team energy again, where you have people vibing off each other and sharing their learnings and asking questions mm. and having those light bulb moments. It, it it is that like that brings me joy as well. I have wide and varied interests. I'm, I, I have <laughs> things that bring me joy in my life, um, you know. And yet, yeah, leadership definitely did do that for me. And I suppose for coaching, what that does for me is seeing other leaders create joyful work environments. I hate the mm. idea of people going into work every day and being miserable or feeling disempowered, not being able to make decisions, having to always mm-hmm. refer or defer to somebody else and not having that autonomy over their day. You know, when really if you create a trusting, heart-centered, purpose-aligned workplace for your teams, that really helps them to flourish and grow. So I'm passing that mantle, I suppose, on by helping other leaders mm. to to deliver that in their work which is a magical thing to be able to do because actually if we can sort of educate people to think and behave in that way uh, that is what then radiates out within a business and makes people feel happier and again obviously coming back to the podcast itself harnessing happiness you know we spend so much time at work it's important that we're happy doing what we're doing and if you can get into the business and work with the leaders to bring that about internally and likewise when I'm working with people externally on a one-to-one that helping them sort of select a career or navigate a career because do you know what and you'll, you'll agree with me on this one I'm sure you know there's always going to be a career aligned with your talents and passions in whatever format it is but it's understanding what those are and sometimes some people don't understand that but if you've got that ability as a leader within a team and you you can hear and you can listen and you can coach like you've been doing mm-hmm. and you can bring that out people can then sort of find their flow far more easily if somebody's there to help them navigate it because it it's all about that facilitation and understanding hearing and being heard and listening and asking questions curiosity is wonderful mm, yes. <laughs> it's, it's it's great it's a great state to be in i was listening to a, another podcast actually with um jacqueline gold isn't it she set up at the ann summers um well she it was her father's business but she mm-hmm. took it over and she's been like important in it and she and she, it was really interesting listening to her because she's obviously been a great leader and she's very curious and 
interested in people and sort of making things happen and it's and it's that natural sort of curiosity and passion and following your flow the other thing for me around heart-powered leadership and about coaching people and this is what brings me obviously the most joy in my life um is i would have always been very uncomfortable with happy clappy people like for years i would have said you know if somebody was too happy i would have said there's something wrong with them they can't be that happy all the time <laughs> and i guess it was just because i was probably would have been in a space maybe where i probably wasn't as comfortable with myself yeah maybe i have yeah because you've been on a bit of a journey yourself yes, haven't you yes uh, who hasn't um <laughs> i've all been on a journey. yes i mean do you want to do you want to do you want to expand upon that at this point sure, a little bit sort of i mean i suppose everybody because it's um it, Everybody has been through things in their life. I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details of my life. Um, we don't have enough time for that. I'm 42 years of age. <laughs> this, is, this isn't my biography. <laughs> um, but, you know. Tracy Hardy, this is your yeah, life. <laughs> you know, I, yes. I've been in, you know, throughout my 20s, I, I probably was a little bit of a rebel. I grew up in um, a religious environment. And when I left home at a young age of 18 I was like a coiled spring left free and I went a little bit wild and you know fell into some toxic relationships drink drugs Mm -hmm. I mean you name it I did it (laughs) um you know um I was I've been married and divorced at a young age and then I was in a, a violent relationship for a couple of years which ended quite violently um and you know I think that was when I was just 27 just before I turned 28 so you went through a lot but you've learned through the through all of that you will have learned a lot yes and I learned most about myself I suppose you know not to victim blame or anything like that but um you know Mm -hmm. what kind of circumstances did I allow myself to get into in the first place to be in a situation where somebody could because I would have always been quite a strong person as well um Mm. Yes. And you're going, oh, how did I find myself in this situation with a man who was able to abuse me? How did he manage to be able to get me to feel that low about mm-hmm. myself that I would take that, you know? And yeah, the, the reason that that happened was because I was abusing alcohol and drugs and not living a very healthy life. Mm-hmm. So my self-worth was in a lower place. So, you know, mm-hmm. that I was, you know, obviously an easy target for, for a man like that. Um, mm-hmm. So then what I did when that, when that ended and, um, you know, I kind of moved back home with my family for a little while and got some TLC and lots of, lots of yeah. mommy love. I spent a good bit of time on self-love and I started mm, reading. Which is important. Journaling and writing. Because mm-hmm. I used to write and journal all the time as a teenager. I was always very, I was always a quite quiet kind of teen. I, I rebelled quite late in my life. <laughs> You know, yeah, but you had quite an interesting upbringing to start with, didn't you? Because obviously you alluded to it more generally in terms of it's a religious upbringing. But your upbringing, I mean, when you say religious, in sort of, and obviously you're Irish, you sort of automatically go, "Oh, is it? Yeah, Catholic." (laughs) But it's not. I mean, that must have been quite a challenge in itself, because obviously you you grew up in a Jehovah's Witness family, didn't you? I did, yeah, Um, and which you learnt a lot from as well. And yes, I learned so much from, and I, I, you know, when. I think when you when you grow up in um, you know 
it, it was a very loving Christian home, um, but you know, mm-hmm. there's there was very strict rules and guidelines as to what you could and couldn't do, and you know, your relationship mm-hmm. with boys, and you know, disco, smoking, drinking, anything like that was just a no-no. So you know, you always get curious about these things when you're when you hit your teens and the hormones <laughs> kick in. Yes. Um, but yes, well, you've been told no all your yeah. life. You want to go right now. Yeah. It's my turn my to do what I want protective. to do. <laughs> but I suppose the way that we grew up, there was always a lot of Bible study you know there was um meetings every week which is like church so they call that meetings and you go you prepare for your bible study and you do your readings and you'd ask like we'd always ask questions they were interactive kind of um bible studies where the 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 audience would be involved and then there was like a Mm -hmm. ministry school where you know because as a christian you'd be going around preaching as a Jehovah's Witness, you'd be going around preaching the the Bible yeah. door to door and knocking on doors and talking about mm-hmm. the religion with with um, people in their homes to try and you know bring the good words to them. So you learned a lot about you people, learned a lot about people, people early yeah. Age. So I would have been going around mm. door to door on Saturday mornings, knocking on people's doors and talking to them on their doorsteps. Like I mean, mm-hmm. that takes a lot of <laughs> a lot of courage. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know in in the meetings and that we had like a, a ministry school where you would get up you prepare a speech it might be a five minute speech it might be a 10 minute speech or, or a presentation of some sort about something that you'd learned from one of the publications mm-hmm. that was you know bible related and you'd be getting up on the platform in front of 40 mm-hmm. 50 people and talking wow. on, on the stage and i did that as well so a lot of that <laughs> would have really prepared me i suppose for later life in the real world yes um, yeah. i mean i was on the debating team in school i you know i never had a problem really getting up and speaking i still get nervous mm-hmm. i get nervous every single time but i st- that's energy yeah, though isn't it because you want to do a good job yeah, it's nervous energy it's the adrenaline it's like i my hands mm. would be shaking after even after doing this my hands would be shaking but it's just that kind of adrenaline rush that you get from from getting up mm-hmm. and speaking that natural high yeah, yeah. But I suppose all of that, like, I mean, I always try to think about, like, yes, there was lots of things that in my life contributed to the paths that I chose and I accept that I chose them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also lots of things that contributed to my resilience and my strength and my ability to get back up, you know, and the way yes, that I was parented yeah. and the way that I was taught in my life. My parents are very resilient people, you know, always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> you know, everything's like Brilliant. a stepping stone to, to getting you know, mm-hmm. getting yourself back up if you if you fall and all that kind of stuff. My dad ran his own businesses for years as well. So that gave me a lot mm-hmm. of examples to look to into how to run business. Yes. And he was a real people person. An inspiration as well, I should imagine, as well, that he's he's done all of that yeah. and you can, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You've had so much learning so over much the years. Learning. I mean, I just get fascinated. Yeah, I'm just sort of fascinated with your story because there's this... You know, you have, from an early age to have done all of that, to have been through all of that. And like you say, coiled spring and then sort of obviously those teenage hormones and out there and rah! Yeah, it was literally what <laughs> and it was like. Just rah for like 10 years of rah. But that's, again, but that's, that's so life-shaping, isn't it? Because you kind of, you went through that, realised that that wasn't mm-hmm. right for you, went back to the family but you've not gone you've become more spirit you've become spiritual haven't you as opposed yeah. to religious i suppose i, I rejected really all religion for a long time um and mm. i wouldn't even want to be around spiritual people like that was just mm-hmm. no the, like, if anyone started talking about god i'd be like no 
back away. <laughs> um, these yes. are not away yes, with you. Away with people. you. Um, but now, yeah, yes. I'm much more. I, I would, I would say, I'm much more spiritual. A lot of spiritual practices: yoga, meditation, breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I work with um, a coach who's also a spiritual coach. Um, and we've done a lot of kind of. Is that the lovely, the Claire, lovely Claire by any chance? Yeah. Oh, the lovely, lovely you know. Claire who I've already recorded a podcast episode with. She's fabulous. I think we do need to go and visit her. For everybody that's listening, Claire lives in. She, Claire is um, got a lovely, great Scottish accent, but she lives in Colombia, doesn't yeah. she now? And so I think a South American trip has got to be on the cards, oh, Tracy. That. <laughs> absolutely love that. That'd be amazing. Just even working with Claire kind of re like opened my eyes to the spiritual world a little bit more again it's like reconnecting with source and reconnecting with your heart Mm -hmm. um, and just like really understanding you know who we are you kind of go through phases Mm -hmm. you know like when I was when I was 27 28 I had a massive kind of awakening and then that's when I um, started working that's your Saturn return isn't it though 28 is your Saturn return and now I'm 42 actually so what's this this is my I'm I'm going uh, that's six it's every seven years, isn't it's it? It's usually about thir- thir- 39, 38, 39, isn't yeah. it? So you're going through it again. Yeah. Funny how those little cycles work in our lives. And like I talk to a lot of people, in, you know, in similar age groups that had similar experiences as well at those mm-hmm. times in their lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, that's when I, I started working then in, um, I had worked in insurance previously and I started working in a different insurance company. And then I decided I'm going to make a career for myself here now. I'm going to get into this job and I'm going to excel. It was a new company that I just started up and then I got into leadership. And I suppose in some ways I kind of lost myself in my work then a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I kind of replaced some of my escape routes um, with work <laughs> and work kind of became a bit of an escape. But I mean, I absolutely loved working. You can get challenges from work, can't you? I mean, I, I you know, you, you've you've talked about your relationship and I was with my ex-husband for 20 years and I left him at 39. Mm-hmm. So Saturn return time again. Um, but and then I've had other challenging relationships, should we say, because that was a very challenging relationship. Um but then I realised the, the challenges I can have that I enjoy, that, that you were talking about adrenaline, mm-hmm. you know, that fire me up is through what I do work-wise with my recruitment, yeah. my coaching, with the podcast, with writing, with, you know, all the stuff that I love doing. You know, you don't need to find those challenges in a relationship. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> um, and I suppose when you're doing, and this, like, for me anyway, is that, like, I mean, I, I, I love all the kind of, I love everything to do with people, but I love all the, you know, the personality tests where you, you know, like the Myers-Briggs yeah. and the insights discovery mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff where you, you kind of figure out your type. And I know that mm-hmm. I'm the, the type of person that I am is that when I'm in, when I'm in alignment with my purpose and I love what I do, I could do it 24 hours a day without getting tired. Yes. Um, and I know yes. a lot, of, like I know a fair few people like that and we're kind of all like emotional generator types in, in human design mm-hmm. or the ENFJ or ENFT um, types in Myers-Briggs, you know, and I, lo- I love all that side of things as well. Like I could, I could study anything to do with human behavior over and over and over. Have you ever done the Roger Hamilton no. profiling? Have you heard of Roger no, Hamilton? I haven't heard of that one. Um, Roger Hamilton. I don't know whether he's updated it at all, but uh, it, uh, that came out at the time like a star supporter. So I like to support people to be the best person that they can be. And I've got like mm-hmm. this blaze dynamo energy. And, and you, as you know, you know, when you look at people's types and then you look at teams and how people fit yes. together, 
Lou, who's my office manager, did um, the profiling and she's got all this sort of steel energy that's all down to detail and things like that. And I have the sum total of zero <laughs> steel energy. <laughs> So that's why we work really well together because I'm not trying to replicate yeah. myself by recruiting somebody that's exactly the same yes. as me, but it's about getting somebody that you sort of shift around a couple of gears. So you're getting somebody that does the stuff that you like doing because and because otherwise you're both fighting for the same stuff. And, that, and that's what I think people don't mm-hmm. always understand, do they? Everybody's different. Everybody's unique. And we've all got different skills and talents and sort of different things that we enjoy doing. And what you or I might think, oh my God, I wouldn't want to sit in front of a spreadsheet all day. <laughs> Other people just like really, really love looking at lines of data yeah. and doing all that analytical work. My brain's gone about two columns in. I'm going, what? Yeah. No well, idea. I worked in my last job that was, um, I had a team of data analysts and um, they did, they, they worked with e-commerce <laughs> data. Um, and now I've I don't have a blinking clue about data analytics. I like when they do all those beautiful, pretty graphs and they are able to tell a story <laughs> with the data and I'm fascinated by what the data tells me, but how they get the data, no, I don't I don't really care about that. Um, you know, but I had a team of like the people on my team, the the degrees in data science and data analytics and they under like mm. it's like looking into the matrix and it's like <laughs> you know, and they can see yeah. things in the data and um, you know, they're able to put out these amazing things with with fantastic tools. You know, and I'm fascinated by what how they do it and what they do, but I would I, I wouldn't be able to do that job. So, you know, I wasn't hired to uh, they had plenty of skilled people in the data side of the house. I was hired in because of my people skills. That was what they were yes, missing, I yeah. suppose. And it happens a lot in big technical teams. You've a lot of technical experts, but not necessarily enough mm-hmm. of people who know how to translate the technical, who understand the people side of things and who yes. understand the human data the emotional data that we get on a daily basis yes. from the people around us and how yeah. to read a room and how to you know get to the root mm-hmm. of something by just seeing through the data yeah that is a skill set in yeah. itself you know having that having that ability to do that so we were sort of we've kind of gone on a little bit yeah. of a journey because you were starting to say then talk to me about you know the things that make you happy sure. and I know obviously then we sort of skipped back to sort of your childhood and sort of brought that we've come back forward again to sort of to the leadership side of things and looking at people and knowing people but you talked about sort of that journaling and it, it does come and you, obviously the work that you're doing Claire and even the investment that you've put into yourself over the last year again, you know, and it's that inner work, isn't it, that you do. So can you expand a little bit further what actually does make you happy and how, you know, how you've sort of regained that and what what it is that you do and sort of any top tips that you've got for the listeners um yeah while we're well while, while we're on it <laughs> well i mean there's so many things we're all complex human beings and we all have so many things that make us happy right so you know mm-hmm. like that I, sa- I said before emotions are fluid i suppose things that make me like things i'm a very emotional being Right. And I know that about myself it, all my life. I had quite high highs and low lows and waves of emotions um, and would have been kind of the too sensitive, the too overreactive, the too dramatic um, as a teen, as a, as a youngster. Um, you know, and I learned to balance that over my life and mm-hmm. how I learned to balance my emotion and regulate my emotions is through all of the scientific things that you're supposed to do. And, you know, if you are going mm-hmm. into yourself, meditating, focusing on your breath, obviously all of those things are going to 
regulate your nervous system but then also finding things that bring joy into your life i love being outdoors in nature you know i love mountain walking i love being anywhere near the sea mm. you know i'm very lucky where i live oh, yes. I'm in south dublin i'm at the foothills of the dublin mountains and about 10 minutes drive to the sea so oh i think i need to visit anytime, you Tracy. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> So, right, I'm, I'm just I'm just checking the flights. <laughs> they're cheap now. enough. They're cheap enough. Um, you know, and you can you can just you. I just love getting outside, and I know when I get outside, I'm gonna. I try to do that as early as possible in the day because I just know I'm gonna have a better day if I get outside. And any time that I feel stressed, anxious, you know, out of sorts, I usually can relate it back to: Am I following my routine? Am I doing my meditation? Am I doing my my journaling? Am I doing my nature walks? Am I getting my yoga in? You know, I was out of my routine there a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. Food as well as another thing. I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a foodie, and I love food, and I love cooking, and I love experimenting in the kitchen. Like I'm a real kind of person who just loves getting recipes out and trying new things. Um, and I love trying. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely yeah, visiting. Of, <laughs> I'm going to get fed and going to get the seat. Um, you know and I I, I do love all of that but when I'm out of when I'm out of sorts I can always relate it back to one of those things I'm either not eating properly not sleep Mm. and if I'm not eating properly I'm not sleeping properly and if I'm not sleeping properly I don't have the energy to get up and go for my walk or do my exercise so it's all connected you know it's just recognizing that and being really self-aware of what are the things that make Mm. you happy and what are the things that deplete your energy You've really captured something there and it is so powerful to have that understanding of the self and take that time to understand yourself. I mean, I've just written a blog post. I mean, I'm usually kind of quite in tune with myself, but I've had a variety of sort of physical ailments that, you know, shin splints and plantar fasciitis and then sort of a, mm-hmm. I've had a virus and one thing or another. And I've just been a bit flat and I was I was kind of like, I needed to write a blog post. I'm thinking, where am I going to get my inspiration from? And I started to think, as you slumber in the morning, I'm going, well, actually what is it that makes me tick what is it that fires me up and I'd realized that I'd stripped back so much because I'd been Mm -hmm. so busy to the point that those things that drive me to have that energy flowing through me and it's it's you know it's very much what you said you know I what Mm -hmm. I'd done too much it had become an overdone strength and it had knocked me for six but actually going too far the other way isn't good for me either i need to have stuff that you know like doing this recording with you i know i need Mm -hmm. that because it like you're saying about that sort of energy i mean i've been out first thing this morning i had an hour and a half outside sort of running exercising training and doing you know know? rain the sun came out yeah yeah and it's it's good for your vibe i need to get back to Mm. more yoga and do more meditative stuff as well but you're absolutely right but having that ability to understand yourself and to take that step mm-hmm. away to reflect and understand like you've, you you know what fires you up, what you need to fire you up, what you need to bring down to balance yeah. you out is really, really important, yeah, isn't and it? Then when you know that, when you're very self-aware, you're going to be more boundaried with yourself and others. You're going to say mm-hmm. yes to the right things and no to the things that don't um, fill you up or that drain mm-hmm. you. Um, or you're going to make sure that you do the things that fill you up first. You know, if you have, I don't know, caring responsibilities, I'm thinking immediately, um, you know, or some something mm-hmm. that you, a lot of people have caring responsibilities or they have family that they need to look after or whatever. And, you know, if you're 
running around after everybody, especially as a leader, right? If you're running around after your team and then you're a mom and you're going home and running around after your family and your husband and maybe your fam- your extended family, your in-laws and your own parents, you know, in that midlife kind of situation, we usually all have one of those things that we're doing. You're not spending any time doing those things that fill you up. Then you're going to get drained. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to get... Mm completely depleted and then you're not going to be any use to anyone Mm. so what is what is the point of that you know you need to you need to take care of yourself first it's very important and it's self-care isn't it and people might go oh it sounds selfish but it's not selfish because if you don't look after yourself like you've just said you you can't look after anybody else anyway can you because if you've if if you've given all your energy away if you've allowed it to be drained out of you because you've you you I mean, let's say a lot of people want to give and I get that you know I'm a very giving person myself as well but you know you've got to you've used the word as well that boundaries you have to put boundaries into place and you have to recognize when somebody's taking too much because actually you're not helping them by giving mm-hmm. them all of your energy because that's not enabling them to do stuff for their self themselves yeah. and it's all about us taking responsibility for the yeah. self isn't it so What's your main top tip to sort of finish on to to the listeners? What I mean, you've, you've just alluded to quite a lot, but if this is one thing that you were to pull out, what would you what would you say is the sort of the, the top tip for people, the listeners to take away from your perspective to make their life a happy life? To make your life a happy life, you need to think about, like I just said, that what makes what what are the little things? It, happiness isn't a destination, I suppose. Mm. Right. So I'm not one of these people who's mm. I'm quite against toxic positivity. Um, you know, I don't, I, like we, have, we are emotional beings. We've got like, what's it, Brené Brown says, we've got like 87 emotions. We're supposed to feel the full spectrum of all of them. You know, thinking about being, being true to yourself and authentic. And you can only really do that if you understand your purpose and your values and what's important to you mm-hmm. and why it's important to you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, spend a bit of time thinking about that and then making sure that you fill a good portion of your day with the things that align with that purpose and values in your work and your life, you know, and take care of yourself. <laughs> oh, I think that's really lovely. Thank you so much, Tracy. Crikey. Do you know what? The time soon oh, so flies, fast. doesn't it? And yeah, we could carry on talking. <laughs> in fact, I think when we spoke a, a few weeks ago, we, 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 we were talking for nearly a couple of hours. We just It's so easy. The mm-hmm. time can go when you're having such interesting and fascinating conversations. So thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to share so much with, uh, with the listeners. So... How do they get in touch with you and how do they find you in the wonderful Dublin, which is absolutely gorgeous. It's been a long time since I've flown in there, but I always remember flying in and it being so yeah. green and just being so glorious. So, but yes, how do people yeah, find well, you? Well, I mean, I'm not going to give them my address, but I'm joking. They'll be coming over for the, be coming over She has a lovely B&B side outside. <laughs> on, the, on the mountain walks. Nice, um, nice view. But yeah, they can get me on Instagram and Facebook <laughs> at Hardy Leaders um, is my handle. Um, so that's my, my name and leaders because leadership coaching is what I do and um, so at Hardy Leaders on Instagram and Facebook and it's just Tracy Hardy Leadership Coach on LinkedIn. Tracy thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure having you on as a guest and catching up with you I, I just always feel so honoured that I have this opportunity to talk to fabulous people who are so inspiring like yourself and sort of record an episode and send it globally yeah. so and, and have so many people listening so thank you to all the listeners as well so 
This has been uh, Sarah J. Naylor, Harnessing Happiness, of course, with the fabulous Tracy Hardy. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do rate, review, follow the podcast or subscribe, whatever you do on your platform. And uh, let's help spread happiness globally, because let's face it, don't we all want to live a happier and healthier life? I know I do, and I I love my life, and Tracy's loving hers, and I hope you're all loving yours. So thank you once again. Until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Harnessing Happiness podcast with Sarah J. Naylor. If you took value from the content, please follow the show on your podcast app. And to find out more about Sarah's ape mindset, visit sarahjnaylor.com. That's sarahjnaylor.com.